Hey, it's so good to welcome you to Fields Church Online, and we are so pleased that you've tuned in for this message. No matter what's going on in your world right now, we pray that you come away feeling encouraged by this message. Right. And it's so, I just pray Psalm 37. The steps of a good and righteous person are directed and established by the Lord. And he delights in his way and blesses his path. And I noticed earlier on today when I was looking at that, he is God. God delights in your way and blesses your path. Stick with it. Stick with it. We're on the journey. Thank you ever so much, band. Really appreciate what you've sung today. Amazing. I'm just going to invite our pastor up and I'm just going to pray for him before he gives us the message. So Lord Jesus, I thank you for this man, this man who really has made a difference in our family, this family, the family of God in the broader sense, and his, his own personal family too. I just thank you, Lord, that this message is not his message, but your message, and I pray, Lord, you'll open our ears to hear a new revelation today, because it's a new day, and we're going to hear yes. new things, and this is going to change us. So I pray, Lord, that we'll leave this place changed, changed for the better, growing, developing, learning. In Jesus' name, we just pray you'll bless his words. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Steve. Morning, church. How's everybody? Ask your neighbour, how are you? Ask your neighbour the other side, how are you doing? Then you can, ask, you can ask me how I'm doing. I'm doing okay. I'm going to pray if that's okay. Let's just do that. Yeah, I just want to thank Jesus for his love. When we were broken, when we were in pain, when we felt isolated and rejected, Jesus came. He came for the brokenhearted. He came to set captives free. And we're living testimonies of his freedom. Thank you, Jesus, for the Holy Spirit. Thank you for sending the Comforter, the one who is with us forever. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you fill every person in this room this morning with a sense of your love and your peace. I don't know how you came in here this morning. Maybe you felt burdened. Maybe you were a little fearful or a little anxious coming into church. Well, I want to tell you, friend, that Jesus is here, the Prince of Peace. His name is Jesus. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this time of fellowship. Thank you for friends. Thank you for your word, Father, that it is powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Father, thank you as I share the word of life this morning, that faith would rise in every heart. I thank you, Father God, that you, your word says you said in seed, Mark 4, about the, the word being a seed and our soil, the heart is the heart. And I thank you as I share the word of life this morning, that every ear is open, every heart is open to receive what you would have, Holy Spirit, 
for your church today. And we just give you praise and glory and honor for all that you've done, all you're doing in Jesus' name. Amen. If you love the Lord, you say amen. If you've got your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Corinthians 14. And as you're doing that, uh, we're training about... It's a bit loud up here. Can you just turn me down a little bit, please? Uh, we're, we're doing some training with about eight teachers that we're raising up within the church, the next generation of teachers and preachers. And in between these messages from now on, from these spiritual gifts, we're not finished yet. We've got about four or five messages to go. We're going to ask these uh, guys to share each Sunday in between the messages of these spiritual gifts that we're doing. And uh, where's Josh? Josh Tree. He's sharing next week. He's, I don't know where he is. Is, he, is there youth today? No, there isn't. I don't know where Josh is. He's gone. Um, he's going to be sharing next week. So I want you to really encourage these guys when they get up to share. Is that okay? And then John Eldridge is going to get up the week after that, and he's going to continue this theme of spiritual gifts on discerning of spirits. And then we're going to have another guy come up and, and share through the parables of Jesus. So I just want you to encourage them when they do that. Can you do that for me? Is that okay? You know, one of the main things that we've learned about, the, about spiritual gifts is that they're given by the Holy Spirit to help people. So do you think they're important? Yeah, I think they're important. And um, they're not just given to pastors or teachers, but for ordinary people like you and me. God has given us these gifts so that we can use them in the context of church and outside of church, in our life group, wherever we are, wherever we meet, so that we can bless people and help people in their journey with the Lord. And they're just like tools in a toolbox that will help us minister more effectively to people. I think that's really important. So I want to continue this morning. We're going to teach about the gift of tongues. And I don't know why this is so controversial in church, and it is. It divides congregations, and I don't know why. Now, when we look through these verses, you'll see that tongues is a spiritual gift. So if it's a spiritual gift and it's to help people, do you think that's important? Do you think these teachings that we read, that we're going to read about today, are Paul's ideas? Things that he just sort of thinks, oh, these are a good idea. I think I'll, I'll adopt this and, and teach this. Where does that come from? You know, the author of the Bible is the Holy Spirit. The Word of God is inspired. It's God-breathed. And we need to understand that, that it's living and it's active. How many of you are saved today? Because of what? Someone got up and preached and you responded to the gospel and got saved. Aren't you glad you're saved? Let's see it on your face a little bit. Tell your neighbor, you look, you look wondrously saved this morning. Just tell your neighbor that. Come on. You do look amazing. You could say the same back, but that's all right. I won't hold that against you. Someone said, I've got a great face for radio, and I don't know what they mean. I haven't got a clue. Can someone explain that to me after the service? Right. There are two ways that tongues can be used. First, privately. And if you've got your Bibles and, uh, and a notebook, please take notes or take notes on your phone. Because this is a really important teaching because people get confused about these two different types of tongue. And I'm going to hopefully dispel all that this morning and show you how important this spiritual language is. This heavenly language that God gives us, which is so amazing. So, firstly... We can use this tongue privately or personally. 
Secondly, we can use this tongue in church. So we're going to share about both of these, and then we're going to move on and show the importance of tongues and the benefits of speaking in other languages or other tongues, our heavenly language. So I need to explain the difference so that you're not confused. Okay. One thing I want to mention is if you're not baptized or filled with the Holy Spirit, that's okay. You're not any less of a Christian than anybody else. And if you don't speak in tongues, you're no less spiritual than anybody else. 17 years, God sent us here to plant the church. And I've shared this story before. We did some classes with people, and there was a guy in his late 70s. And we were talking about the Holy Spirit, and he spoke to me after. He said, I want to speak to you privately. I said, okay. He said, I've never heard this, and I don't think I'm filled with the Spirit. Does that make me any less of a Christian than I am? And I said, no, it doesn't. It's just an expression of a gift that God wants to give us, to bless us and to bless others. That's amazing. Okay. Are you at 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1? Yeah, we have the power. I'm going to read from the Amplified Bible. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Corinth. And he goes on to explain the use of tongues. Pursue this love with eagerness. I love what you said, um, Amelia. There's a lot of love in this room, isn't there? Hey, that's because God is here and he indwells us. And he's put his love in our heart. Why has he put his love in, in our hearts? So that we can feel all gooey and lovely. No, so that we can share that love. Share the love with someone and just give them a high five. Go on, you're sharing in love. One or two people are doing it. They're not, yeah, okay. Don't do anything I say. Okay, pursue this love with eagerness. Make it your goal. Make it your goal. Yet earnestly desire. I love that. Yet earnestly desire and cultivate the spiritual gifts to be used by Pastors, teachers, evangelists, only special people, only gifted, anointing people. By who? Believers, any believers we've got here? Oh, praise God. How many excited believers have we got here this morning? Oh, that's better. Come on, we want the rebels in the front, don't we? Yeah, come on, you shout, because I'm a rebel at heart. No, I'm not, I'm a good rebel. So Paul goes on to talk about the purpose of this gift. If we look at, look at the next part of the verse, but a fit. Of the church. These gifts are given for the benefit of the church, but especially that you may prophesy to foretell the future, to speak a new message from God to the people. And I'll be teaching about prophecy later on in this series, so we'll cover that at some other time. So, who's Paul writing to here in 1 Corinthians 14? He's writing to who? Not special people. He's writing to people like you and me, everyday people. And I believe some people have taught, have been taught, or told that this gift isn't for everyone, or it isn't needed today. Now, you need to write this word down. It's a deep theological word to explain this, and it is, you ready? You got your pens out. Rubbish. Just write that down. I believe this gift is for everybody. Paul's writing to the church, and he's saying, earnestly desire spiritual gifts. Is tongue a spiritual gift? Are we earnestly desiring it? Maybe you haven't got it because you're not earnestly desiring it. Let's desire. Look at that word desire. That word desire means to burn with zeal in the Greek. Are we zealous for these gifts? To earnestly pursue. That's what it means. How many of us, I've asked this question a few weeks ago, how many of us don't like asking God for, for anything? I speak to a lot of Christians, they say, I don't really like asking God for anything. Why not? 
He says, ask. It's mentioned 286 times in the New King James. Ask. So if you don't ask, what are you going to get? Nothing. Ask and you will receive. Amen? God's good. Okay. So here we see that tongues, where tongues are used by the believer personally. Let's go to verse 2. The Amplified says this. For one who speaks in an unknown tongue does not speak to people but to God. So anyone who speaks in a tongue isn't speaking to people. They're talking to God, right? So this is talking about an individual, someone on their own, praying in the Spirit. What are they doing? They're talking to God. They're praying. How many of you can pray in English for about five minutes? Maybe after about ten minutes you... Don't know what to say. You've told God everything. You say, well, I'm sitting here, God. I don't know what else to say to you. How many of you who pray in the Spirit can pray for longer than that? Yeah, some hands are going on like this and some like that. That's good. It's a good thing. For no one, everyone say no one. For no one understands him or catches his meaning. So if you're praying in the Spirit, no one will understand you. You won't understand you either, but God will. So Paul is talking about an individual speaking in tongues. And the person isn't talking to men, but he's talking to God. This is a spiritual language that God gives. I believe that's available to all of us. And most importantly, the devil doesn't know what you're saying. Isn't that good? Isn't that good? Because yeah. yeah, he wasn't, won't understand either. I like what, uh, there's a guy that I've been listening to a lot, Michael Miller, He's a pastor in uh, Texas. And uh, he says about this verse, audience matters. So when you're praying in the Spirit, audience matters. You're praying to God. That's the individual. All right, let's have a look at what the message says of that verse. Give a few examples. It says, if you praise him in the private, everyone say private. If you praise him in the private language of tongues, God understands you but no one else does. For you are sharing, I love this, intimacies just between, you say it, you and him. That's amazing. I love, I'm doing it every single day now. Every single day, I put on the armor of God every single day. And every single day, I pray in the Spirit. Not just for my own needs, but for your needs. I stand in the gap for you. And we're going to get to a verse that shares that a bit later on in this teaching. So, when you're having this quiet time with God, it shouldn't be really quiet. I don't know why we call it a quiet time. I'm quite loud sometimes. And sometimes I walk up and down in my office like that, and I'm, and I'm giving it some. I don't care if she's listening or not. I just go for it. There's been a times when she said, will you shut up? I've got people on, the, on a Zoom call here. You're a bit too loud. I said, well, I don't care. <laughs> no, I did what she said. Husbands, do what your wives say. <laughs> and all the wives said, Amen. Hallelujah. Husbands, love your wives. Amen. Come on now. What's the next verse say? Wives, <laughs> submit to your own husband as to the Lord. But it goes on to say that we need to submit to one another out of reverence for love, out of reverence of love. Okay. 
Here we see tongues now in a corporate setting. Let's have a look at that just briefly, and then we're going to move on to this. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 27. So go right down to verse 27. So we've seen now that if you pray in tongues and you're on your own, you are speaking to God directly. No one understands you. You don't understand yourself, but God does. He fine-tunes it like a radio, like a radio crackling, getting a station. The old radios that we used to have, and to get a station, you've got to turn the dial, haven't you? Well, hopefully our antennas are up this morning. But here we see it in a corporate setting, and this is where people get confused, because they say, if you speak in a tongue, someone's got to interpret it. But we've just read that if you speak in a tongue, you're just speaking to God on your own in your bedroom. So no one needs to interpret that. Have you got that? Really plain to see, isn't it? Right, look at this verse. If anyone speaks in a tongue, let there be two, or at the most, three, each in turn, and let one interpret. Have we got that? Where is this setting? Let's have a look at that. Lovely. But if there is no interpreter, let him keep silent. Where? In the church. And let him speak to himself and to God. So if someone brings a tongue in a setting like this, someone should interpret it. There's the difference. And yet people still get so confused. Oh, if you get a tongue, then someone's got to interpret it, so I don't want to give it, so I don't know what I should give it. But in a setting like this, if someone brings a tongue, then someone should interpret that tongue. Is that quite simple? Can you see that in that verse? Is that right? Okay, so hopefully we can see the difference. Okay, if you're talking privately to God on your own, that's you with your heavenly language speaking to him. But in a setting like this, someone should interpret. Let's have a look now at some of the benefits of speaking in tongues. Everyone say benefits. Firstly, privately and personally. Let's have a look at the next verse, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 4. Let's go there. I'm going to read from the New Living, and then I'm going to give a couple of translations, because I think uh, you know other translations bring a, a scripture simpler sometimes. The New Living says, a person, singular, who speaks in tongues is strengthened. How? Personally. So we're talking about an individual, aren't we? Right? So a person who speaks in tongues is strengthened. That's amazing. Let's have a look at what the passion would say. It's running ahead of me now. The passion. Right. The one who speaks in tongues advances his own singular spiritual progress. All right. So if you want to get on spiritually, pray in the Spirit. The Amplified says, one who speaks in a tongue, what's that word say? Edify. Does anyone know what edify means? It means to build up, right? So if you pray in a tongue, if you pray in a tongue, what are you doing? You are building yourself up. It means to uplift. It means to enlighten. It means to encourage. I don't know about you, if ever I feel spiritually low, and there are times when I do, especially when I've been on leave for a couple of weeks and I go back to church again, I haven't done the sort of routines of my prayers and every single day. We pray every day, but I don't do any deep study and don't have these deep, quiet times when I go on holiday. And when I come back after holiday, I feel a little bit, you know, like you've lost it a little bit. So I'd get in my office and begin to pray in the Spirit. What am I doing? Building myself up. Why would God give one person a gift and not the other? Who would like to be built up? Who likes being around people 
that encourage you, you go and see them like a friend and you pray together, you read the Bible together, and then you pray over him, he prays over you, or you pray over your friend, and you leave. How do you leave? How do you feel? Really lifted and, uh, you know, and built up, don't you? That's the same. It's great having people around us, but what, what happens when people lag when came and How do you build yourself up? David said when um, Ziklag, when they came and took all these people, took all his family and his, everybody else, he said David, all his friends wanted to kill him. But the Bible says David encouraged himself in the Lord. So when no one's around and you need encouragement, learn how to pray in tongues. And it's not a language that we learn. We're going to explain that in a second. It's something that God bestows upon us with the laying on of hands. And we're going to do that after the service. If you've not been baptized in the Spirit and you like to pray in tongues, we're going to have people here, a prayer team here, come forward and we'll pray for you. i never forget when I was first a Christian, and, um, and this is really important. I went to a life group and one guy was going to pray for me. Uh, to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And as I got up and he, and he started praying, he said, he said I've got, got this feeling that you've got unforgiveness in your heart. And I said, yeah, I, I hate my dad. And I know I've shared this before, but some people might not have heard this. And um, I come from a broken home, and my dad was a, a bit of a womanizer. I hated him, and I'd got saved and gone to South Africa when I got, went to South Africa and got saved there. And I was in this meeting, and this guy was going to pray for me, and he just had this word of knowledge. And he said, he said, have you got unforgiveness in your heart? I said, yeah, I hate my dad. And he said, you know you've got to forgive him. And I said, I can't. But I was a young Christian, and I didn't know any better. So we, I, couldn't re, I just couldn't receive. He said, you're not going to be able to receive until you can forgive your dad. And I said, well, I just can't. But after a while, I got to the place where I did forgive my dad. And I was in a church meeting, and there were thousands of people in this meeting. And our pastor was teaching this lesson about being baptized in the Spirit. And uh, I got baptized in the Spirit. We need to be very careful. Or anything in our hearts towards anybody, we need to forgive those people before we can receive something like that. Do you understand that? And I got to understand where he was coming from. And then when we were prayed for to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit, he said, right, you young Christians, now you go and pray for someone who needs the baptism as well. And that was really exciting as a young Christian. So this is really powerful. It's really powerful stuff. So when we pray in the Spirit, privately, personally, on our own, we build ourselves up. We edify ourselves. Who needs building up spiritually? Yeah, some of us do. I think we all do. This is CrossFit. I wouldn't know anything about that. But anyway, this is CrossFit. This is CrossFit for the inner man. We look after our bodies, don't we? And some of us look really good, don't we? You know, this fine specimen of a figure, this takes work. I'll tell you, look this good takes a lot of work. I, 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 I look good when I get up in the morning because I look in the mirror like that when I have my glasses on. I say, perfect. Then I put the glasses on. Oh, I get a bit of a shock. Okay. There are some who think that tongues isn't for today. 1 Corinthians 14 verse 39. Therefore, brethren... Desire, desire earnest, prophesy, and do not forbid to speak with tongues. Who is this? This is the Apostle Paul writing, isn't he? Isn't it? And he's wrote, what, how many two-thirds of the New Testament? So let's have a look at another couple of verses that talks about us being built up. Okay, if you'd like to go to me, right to the end of your Bible, just before Revelation, there's a little book called Jude. And there's just a few verses in there. So I just want to sort of cement this whole thing about, about building up. Now to get the context, 
Jude is writing to faithful Christians, encouraging them to be strong in their faith, to earnestly stand against ungodly teachers. So he's warning them to stay spiritually strong against the ungodly. So Jude 19 says this, These are the ones who are agitators, causing divisions, worldly-minded, secular, unspiritual, carnal, merely sensual, unsaved, devoid of the Spirit. And Jude, right here, shows us how we can stay strong against this worldliness and this ungodliness in verse 20. How do we do that? But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. So we can see the benefit of us praying in the Spirit. It builds ourselves up. Who would like to be built up? I mean, we, we all need it, don't we? And praying in your English, like a language like English or French or German or whatever language you speak, you know, it won't build you up. God will accept that kind of prayer when you're praying in your own language. But I believe tongues is much stronger than that and will help us build ourselves up. So this is how Jude encourages people. Let's have a look in the Amplified, what verse 20 says. I love that. But you, beloved, build yourselves up on the foundation of your most holy face. Faith, not face. Continually progress. I was just thinking of my lovely face in the mirror, and that just came to me. This is important. Let me read that again. Beloved, but you, beloved, build yourselves up on the foundation of your most holy faith. Continually progress. Rise like an edifice. Look at that word, edifice. Here, higher and higher, pray in the Holy Spirit. That word edifice means an imposing building. You are the temple of God. Amen? And God lives in you by his Spirit. And you are an imposing force. That's what that word edifice means. I love that. So tongues is like a spiritual weapon we can use in spiritual warfare as well. You know, we can't fight spiritual battles with natural means. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. See, I pause there so you can fill in. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God to the pulling down of strongholds. What mighty weapons do we have? What mighty weapons do we have? We have... We have the armour of God, don't we? Turn with me to Ephesians 6, verse 10. If English, I think English, praying in English, excites that missile. That's what I'd like to believe. Right, Paul encourages the Ephesian church how to stand strong against spiritual forces using the armour of God. Now, next week, I will give you a box of chocolates. If you can tell me, without looking at those verses, what the armour of God is. Right, we'll have a, have a little competition now. So over this side, any, any part of the armour in Ephesians 6? Sorry? Helmet of salvation. Breastplate of righteousness. Let's come over and give you a bit of a chance, you spiritual people here. How many? Sword of the Spirit. Anything else? Uh, sorry? The belt of truth, this side. There are some left. Yeah, yeah. The shoes of the gospel of peace, yeah. What else? Sorry? We've had those. Anything else? Sorry? Yeah, double-edged sword is the word of God, isn't it? That's our Bibles. Where's your Bibles? Have you come in with your sword today? Where's your sword? Have you left it at home? It's no good leaving it at home. Okay, let's have a look at Ephesians 10. Is there anything we might have missed in the armour of God? Anything? 
Oh, look at this. We've got some spiritual people here. That's wonderful. Ephesians 6.10. Are you there yet? Sorry about this. Okay. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. How are we to be strong? And our own strength. What does it say? Be strong in the Lord. And in the what? Power of his might. His power, not ours. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to what? Stand against the wiles or schemes of the devil. Okay, so how many of us put our armor on every day? Put it on every day, trust me. Because sometimes things come from left field and just knock you off kilter. They really do. So, the word power in this verse isn't the word dunamis. It's the word kratos. And it means force, strength, power, might, mighty, with great power. See, put on the whole armor of God and we're going to be powerful in his strength, but not in ours. So Paul goes on and gives the reason why we're to put on the armor of God. For we do not wrestle. Everyone say wrestle. What does that feel like? It feels like a fight. We're talking about a battle or something, isn't it? For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Our fight isn't against people. So if there are people in your life, even Christians that aren't nice to you, we're not fighting people. Just pray for them. Just pray for them, all right? But against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. These, this foe that we have is a formidable foe, isn't he? Right? So this is why we need to put the whole armor on. Let's have a look at verse 18, because you've told me all about the other bits. The helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth. There, the shoes of the gospel of peace. What else is there? The shield of faith. It says there, the shield of faith is able to quench every fiery dart of the enemy. If you haven't got it up, he's not able, is he? If it's in the cupboard, if your shield's in the cupboard, you're not going to quench those fiery darts. Where have we got to have our shield? Out in front of us. Mustn't forget that. And it's able to quench every fiery dart of the enemy. What's the last one? The sword of the Spirit. How do we use the sword of the Spirit? Just by reading... Or by speaking it over conditions, over problems, over challenges, over these forces of darkness. What do we do? We war in the spirit, don't we? Right? So verse 18. With all prayer and petition, pray with specific request at all times on every occasion. You say it. And in every season. How? In the spirit. You know, when I hear people talk about the armor of God, they show me about the armor, but this is the verse that we forget. Praying in the Holy Spirit. Why should we do that? Paul encourages us to do that. Here's a reason. We can use the gift of tongues to pray for ourselves, but also for other people. Let's have a look at Romans 8.26. I love this. this is, these are great verses. These are. It says there in the Amplified, in the same way the Spirit comes to us and helps us in our weakness. How many of you feel really weak sometimes? Like I say, when you are spiritually low or just low, if you were to just build yourself up in the Spirit, your mood would lift. It would. Your mood would really lift. Because we have weaknesses sometimes. We do not know what to offer or how to offer as we should. 
The Bible says in the New King James, we know, we know how to pray, but there are times when we don't know what to pray for. This is what this verse is talking about. Look at this, verse 26b. It says, it says, But the Spirit himself knows our need and at the right time intercedes on our behalf with sighs and groanings too deep for words. Verse 27. And he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because the Spirit intercedes before God on behalf of God's people in accordance with God's will. When you don't know what to pray for, pray this prayer. Father, I don't know what to pray for, but I'm just going to pray in the Spirit. And I'm going to believe that we're going to pray the perfect will of God as I pray. The Holy Spirit helps us. He's there. He's a helper. He's a comforter. In our weaknesses, we intercede for the needs of others, not just our own needs, but for the needs of others as well. So let's go down to our last verse, 1 Corinthians 14, 4 verse 14. The last thing to look at is tongues don't come from our mind or our thoughts, but from our spirit. Again, it's not a language that we can learn. How do I learn this language? Like for a day, like that, you get prayed for. If you desire it, if you desire this gift, today you can be prayed for and receive that baptism in the Holy Spirit. Because I think it's really important for us. When we pray in our tongue, we can build ourselves up and we can also pray for others when we don't know what to pray for. Let's have a look at 1 Corinthians 4, 14, verse 14. For if I pray in a tongue... What does it say? My spirit prays. It's a little S there, isn't it? Capital S would say that that's the Holy Spirit. If you read spirit in the Bible and it's got a capital S, that's referring to the Holy Spirit. A small S, that's referring to the human spirit. I think it's in Job, it says, There is a spirit in man, and the breath of the Almighty gives him understanding. So we're made up of spirit, soul, and body. The spirit should dominate everything else. The soul, that's our mind, our will, and our emotions. Amen? And our body. That's what should happen. What? We walk in the spirit, not in the flesh. Is that right? But when we pray, it says there, if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my, my mind is unfruitful. I don't know about you. I can be praying in the spirit and thinking about a shopping list. But when you're praying in English, you get distracted and, and you think about the shopping list. You pray in tongues, your mind is not really engaged. It's your spirit that's engaged. God is, John 4, God is spirit. Right? Is that what it says? He's not a man like us. Or, sorry, ladies. But we are the bride of Christ men, so don't worry about that. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. When I pray, my spirit prays. And I know that's a hard concept to sort of grasp when we think in our five senses. But we have a spiritual part, the, the spiritual part of us that communes with God. And that's what he's talking about here. We learn no one can understand us when we pray in tongues. It comes from our spirit directly to God. And a lot of problems in our lives, you know, a lot of pro- problems in our lives come from the, the fruit of our thinking, doesn't it? 
That's why we need to meditate on the Word of God and you know, renew our minds by, by the Word of God. And when we pray in tongues, it reminds us that our body is not in charge. I like what Bill Johnson says. He says, The mind is a great servant, but a terrible master. The mind is a servant, so when we pray in the Spirit, it puts our minds in their rightful place. Let's close our eyes for a moment. And I'm going to pray. And what I would suggest you do, just listening to one teaching on this, is study this for yourself. Listen to good people that believe in this stuff. To really teach this stuff so that you can really get this stuff in your heart. Because sometimes these things are really difficult to comprehend. So afterwards we're going to have a prayer team up here. If you've got any kind of need, whatever need you had and you, you have and you want prayer, please come forward for prayer. I don't want you to leave this place today without someone praying for you. If you're struggling with something, just come and they'll pray for you. If, you're gonna, if you have a desire to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, you want to pray in tongues, there'll be people here as well to pray specifically for that and they can lay hands on you. I'm going to pray and close the service and um, we're going to have some fellowship afterwards. Father God, I thank you for I thank you for your love for us, firstly, Jesus, that you demonstrated your love by dying for us on a cross. And I thank you, Jesus, for saving us. Thank you, Father. We're part of your family. Your word says that we are sons and daughters and we've been adopted into your family. We've been chosen. And you love us, Lord. You know, maybe you're here today and this might be your first time in church. Your first experience of church. You might not sort of understand what we've been speaking about. But you know, I just want to say to you, friend, if you're here for the first time, that God has to be demonstrated. So much that he died for you. Love needs to be demonstrated. And Jesus demonstrated his love for us by dying a cruel death on a cross so that we would be saved. Jesus came to seek and save those who were lost. And if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior friend, you're lost. And God wants you in his family. And it's a simple process. Coming to church doesn't make us a Christian. That's a good practice. But giving our lives to Jesus, surrendering to him, causes us to be saved. That's when we know we're a child of God. And if you're not sure about that, if you're not sure you have a relationship with Jesus, then I want to ask you today, would you like to get to know Jesus? Would you like to give your life to him today? And just put your hand up and say, that's me. I'm here today and I want to respond to this call and I want to give my life to Jesus today. Is there anybody here with it? Every eye closed, every head bowed. Just put your hand up and say, that's me. Anybody today? Don't know Jesus. You want to make him the Lord of your life. Just put your hand up and then you can take it down again. Or maybe you're here today and you're, you're really backslidden. You were serving God and something happened and you've not been in church, but you're in church today. And you want to come back to God. And God wants you back. He's not mad at you. He's not cross with you. He wants you back. 
Would you like to respond to him today? If you've just drawn back from God and you're not fellowshipping, you're not as close to God as you used to be, and you want to be close to him again, just again put your hand up and say, that's me. Pray for me today, anybody this morning. Okay, looks like we're all right with God. I'm going to pray. Father God, I thank you for this time that we can come to celebrate all that you're doing in our lives. We can gather together as Christians in a free nation where we can preach the gospel freely. I pray, Father God, for these precious people as they leave this place today that your hand of blessing, provision is upon them. I pray that your angels would encamp around about them and keep them safe and free from harm until we can meet again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Please stay for tea and coffee. We'd love to get to chat to you, fellowship with you. There'll be some tea and some, probably some cakes or biscuits or something like that. Bless you.